Welcome to episode three and day three of the Dry Jan Like a Sober Rebel mini podcast series with me, Louisa Evans. I hope you've had a good night and any thoughts of drinking have been really easy to bat away. Just to remind you, although I've created this mini series, especially for this dry January period, all of these episodes will help you in your first month of sobriety, no matter what the time of year. So please do share it if you feel it could help someone. And you don't even have to be in your first month. I've hopefully included some great content that could help you no matter where you are in your sobriety. And there's some amazing advice and tips that are being shared throughout from the sober community. And I reiterate, just in case someone has stumbled across this episode and is listening to it in isolation, you don't have to want to go sober forever to listen to this podcast. You could just be fed up of drinking too much and want to reset and reassess your drinking habits. But this is all about approaching any sober stint with a can-do attitude. So today we're going to look into your whys. Spending some time considering your whys, why are you doing this, and writing them out helps to cement this decision to stick at this, even when times are tough. Because life by its very nature has ups and downs. Don't get me wrong, it isn't all pink clouds in sobriety and bouncing around. You will need to be creating and building up a sober toolbox that you can pull from whenever you may need to. And hopefully, obviously, these moments will be fewer and further in between because without alcohol, you tend to have a lower level of stress, but life isn't perfect. So it's a great idea to have your whys just to keep you motivated, keep them somewhere you can look at them easily. I created mine as a wallpaper for my phone. I stuck them in the kitchen. I had them written on my mirror in my bedroom. So every time I glanced at them anywhere, especially when I looked at my phone, which is probably millions of times a day, these reasons were seeping into my subconscious and just supporting that decision. So this episode is all about looking into why it's important to know your whys. Why do you want this sober stint or why do you want to try sobriety? At face value, this is quite an obvious topic and it really doesn't need explanation. So what I thought I'd do is ask the sober community for some of their whys, because it might give you some inspiration. And I'm going to share some of the responses I got from some of those familiar faces in case they spark ideas for you. Just to begin with, I'll tell you some of my whys. The first one was my health. And the minute I started to really seriously think about sobriety and I started reading more and listening to more, the sheer horror of realising actually how harmful alcohol is was one that really motivated me because my initial why was all about my health and I had this fear growing deep down about what I could be doing to myself. You know when you're younger and you don't care and you think you're invincible? Well, gone was the resilience and insistence of invincibility of my youth. I was starting to get scared. I'd hit my 40s. And that thought process was ticking. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep bouncing back. This can't be good for me. At some point, something's got to give. So I can't say, even as a drinker towards the end, that I wasn't scared because I was. Those thoughts were in my mind. I'd begun adding up units towards the end of my drinking and keeping a tally of them 
and they were shocking. And so that's another little tip. If you are still in that considering stage of sobriety, do keep a track of units rather than turning a blind eye and estimating them. Because actually that was a big motivator as well, or certainly it was a big gauge to me and physical proof that I couldn't carry on the way I was. But one of my final straws was that I woke up one morning in the summer before I quit drinking and I found a massive bruise on the back of my leg that I had absolutely no recollection of doing. And I wasn't drunk the night before, I hadn't knocked myself that I knew of, I just had a couple of glasses of wine, but this bruise was massive and it was unexplained and I was always, one way or another, covered with unexplained bruises. So I found myself googling bruising and the liver because somewhere in my head I knew that my drinking habits were at some point going to see me have health issues. You know that worry that's deep inside you that just can't be ignored any longer? Well, that was it. And I saw the search result pop up from Google and it confirmed everything I feared. I just burst out into this panicky cry like life had caught up with me because I read that bruising could be a sign of the liver failing or struggling. And did I stop then? No. And I put it to the back of my mind, which is horrendous to think of now I look back at it. And it took a few more months after that of stomach pain, stomach cramps, IBS, a big clump of my hair even fell out and I told myself that was to do with the fact I'd just had a baby, which it could have been, but it also could be that my body was screaming out for a break. So I would say health was definitely something that made me realise that I knew there needed to be an end date to my drinking and I was building up to it. Once I decided to really properly go sober and I began in earnest reading more and listening more about the real dangers of alcohol, the truth that you don't want to see as a drinker. I was horrified. I genuinely had no idea about the real risks. I knew you weren't supposed to drink more than a certain amount, and I knew I was drinking more than that, and then some. But the more I read and educated myself as to the true effects to your mental health and to your physical body, the cancer risks, I had no idea it caused cancer or that it weakened your heart. But it's logical when you think about it and you start to find these things out. You just can't believe you haven't realised them before. Those were massive motivators for me, my health. So that went right at the top of my list of whys. I was scared. And being scared for your health and worrying about your health, even if it's at the back of your mind constantly, is exhausting. So my second massive motivator and why was my girls. And again, I know you aren't supposed to do this for anyone else. You're supposed to do it for yourself. But the idea of my girls really spurred me on. And I know that other people will say the same thing. It's loved ones and your love for them and wanting to be around for them and give them a good example that really can motivate you. But it needs to be more than just somebody else wanting you to go sober. You need to be doing it for yourself. But they can motivate you in the background. So the thought of my youngest, who's two, Never knowing me as a drinker was a massive boost, I have to say. And my eldest, who is 12 nearly, she's at the age where she's going to be trying or questioning her own relationship with alcohol in a few years. And so it was really important to me that I set her a good example. And I knew I was never going to be able to ask her to drink moderately if she was watching me drinking the way that I was. So a third big why or motivator for me was wanting to feel authentic in my work. 
And I'm not the first person in a profession like mine to say this. And I know you're not supposed to be perfect if you're helping other people. But when you're helping people with mindset and habit breaking, and some of those people want you to help them with alcohol moderation or reduction or going sober, you feel hypocritical. You can't help feel hypocritical if you're sat there thinking, yeah, I need to do this too. But you're scared and somebody else is doing it and you're helping them do it and they're not scared or they are scared and they're doing it anyway. And no one expected me to be sober. Absolutely not. I just felt so inauthentic coming home, having a glass of wine to wind down from a clinic instead of doing the things I was telling other people to do. I was just feeling out of control with a habit myself and it just didn't feel good. So that big motivator of feeling authentic was definitely on my list. And I knew I had all the tools as a therapist to do it. And I knew also that I was choosing not to use them. So that was making me feel rubbish. It just didn't make me feel good. Maybe one of your motivators could be around your work or feeling authentic or congruent. Oh, and one final one I want to add to my list. Once I had some sober time under my belt, a massive motivator that went on that list was loving the feeling of being a smug sober. I'm sorry, I can't help it. But the feeling of being sober, of fighting the wine witch and winning, going to bed without alcohol swooshing around my system, clean pyjamas, cleaning my teeth, taking my makeup off, reading a book, waking up feeling refreshed. You just can't beat that feeling. And you do feel a bit smug. I certainly did. So that went on the list. Loving the smug sober feeling. As I say, I've put this question out to the sober community and I've had some brilliant responses. And so I thought I'd share some of them now. And Leanne shares some amazing reasons why she wanted to go sober. She said she was exhausted. She could sleep all night and yet she'd still take the kids to school on a day off and climb straight back into bed and sleep all day till she had to pick them up. And she was anxious all the time. She said not to mention the mood swings. So they were motivators for her. She also said she'd put on weight and didn't feel comfortable. Leanne also talks about the fact her eldest daughter, who's 20, has started going to the pub very regularly. And she just knew she couldn't advise her not to if she was still drinking. For Leanne, her partner didn't really drink all that often. And so she was getting side eye. He'd shake his head if she had uh, a few too many beers. And Morgan has shared some amazing advice. She's just reached nine months sober, and that would be when I'm recording this. So by the time this goes out, she's going to have celebrated her year, I'm sure. She says she's not sure if this is an obvious reason, but her why was definitely for her mental health. Morgan suffered from anxiety and depression, but after drinking, the lows were so low, she'd have five days of struggling afterwards. And her anxiety went from mild to experiencing palpitations, a tight chest, and she found it hard to breathe for the following days, so that's really scary. And of course, as she's gone sober, she's experienced some of the benefits. She says she's been able to mend some old friendships and nurture healthier relationships with her family because she feels she's come back to her authentic self. She also shares that she's shed some unhealthy relationships in that process that just weren't filling her cup and that she probably wasn't filling theirs either. So it seems like quite a cleansing exercise. I've got an anonymous why here, and this person remembers being at a friend's house where they often used to congregate as friends with kids. 
and they can distinctly remember looking at the children whose ages ranged from about five to 13 and they were all having fun and smiling and laughing and they asked themselves internally, how could they do that without alcohol in their system? And it is that innocence of youth and we don't need alcohol when we're children to have fun but it was that realisation that this person had and they couldn't remember the last time they'd had fun without alcohol or the thought of alcohol being involved. And they were embarrassed by that thought. And so that was a big motivator for them. Anna, her reasons were spiritual. So for her, it was all about spiritual growth and tapping into the power of the universe, she says. And that has been and continues to be her main motivation for wanting to let go of alcohol. She says she's become so much more connected to herself and to nature. She noticed that alcohol was blocking all of that, her team of light and spirit guides, she calls them. And so moving away from alcohol allows her to access a far greater spiritual experience. She says spiritual awakening has been the missing part until now in sobriety. And moving on to Catherine, and similar to mine with my work, she is a nurse and the one thing that kept bringing home that she was drinking too much was when she was asking her patients how much they drink, and many saying about nine units or a glass of wine every few weeks, and then finding out about the breast cancer risk and drinking alcohol was also a big motivator. She wanted to be a better parent. That was another why on her list. She was valuing having a glass of wine over patiently putting her young children to bed. I think we've all been there. And she says she was aware alcohol was making her short-tempered and easily agitated, which again, I hear you. Helen says her wise to prove she could be herself without alcohol and that she's found confidence in everything now she's sober. She says she's become who she was drunk, minus the slurring, falling and the hangover, but she has the confidence in every task and situation now that she's faced. So thank you everyone for sharing your whys. It's really interesting how different people's whys are so different, but there are some common themes through there. So whatever your motivators, and maybe you've got some ideas for some different whys in this episode, but it's a great idea to write them out and have a really good think about them. Be inspired by other people's, but also really dig deep into what will motivate you. It could be that you want to get away from something that is causing you pain, but also make sure there's some motivators in there where you're moving towards pleasure. So clearer skin, weight loss, whatever those motivators are. And then it's a great idea to have them to hand. So put them wherever you go regularly. Put them on your phone because they'll help you keep focused when times are more rocky. There will always be ups and downs in life. But if we can keep our focus on the bigger picture, then that's when the real positive changes happen in those small steps and stages. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to find out more about my story, then you can head to my website, louisaevans.com, where you'll find lots of useful links, including a link to my audiobook on Audible. And you'll also find a range of hypnosis and relaxation downloads that you can try at home on there. Use code SOBERREBEL, all one word, to buy one, get one free. You may like to follow me on Instagram at Stepping Into Sobriety. And just to remind you, if you feel you're dependent on alcohol or are struggling in these early days, then please do seek medical support.
and as with anything, take from these episodes what works for you and ignore what doesn't. This isn't a one size fits all in sobriety. Everybody's different. Everybody's methods are different. But as I always say, the enemy is the same and we're all walking away from the same thing. So have a great day. I'll catch you tomorrow when we're going to delve into some of those reasons. You may be believing that alcohol is necessary to dispel and change those thoughts and beliefs so that you're making lasting and positive change. We're going to rewire those neural pathways and challenge those thoughts. So until next time, have a good one.